Hi, everybody. Andrew Bray here, the son of your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray, who's here to talk about a wonderful conversation she recently had. Hello, Mom. Hi, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) I always love when we do this. It's so much fun. Actually, some people have been telling me they just can't wait to listen because they listen to what we say first and they love it. Well, it's fun talking with you. I it's weird because this is, you know, a private public conversation where we just get to nerd out about enjoying f- family and community, even if it's just over Zoom. But it's, <laughs> I, I'm really grateful that there's, a you know, a little bit of both earnestness and goofiness that we get to share with the audience for a little bit. Well, we do a lot of that. Yeah, that's for <laughs> more goofy than earnest, though. Well, you're good at that. I uh, I love hearing in your conversations about how you make a space with the uh, subject of your conversations to be light, to be serious, to cover so many bases. So, with that in mind, tell us a little bit about this upcoming conversation. Oh, it's with Tracy Browder. Tracy, I've known for a long time, but we never really connected and did anything together until I did a dance party for New Year's Eve. (laughs) Wait a minute, it's really cool. Um, So I had a breakout room and they went in the breakout room to talk about pandemic teaching and what they were going to do. And I thought, I wonder if I should give everybody five minutes or what? And she, she was in a room with some amazing people, but she connected with Stephanie Rothstein. And they were so upset that it ended that they contacted me after and said, we need to do some more. We need you to join us and you need to see what we're going to do. And they ended up doing an amazing collaborative project between Tracy's kindergartners in Texas and Stephanie Rothstein's ninth graders in San Jose. California. Whoa. Yes. And so that we're talking about it in, in the, I don't want to give away because I want you to listen to the whole thing. It's amazing. Tracy also, she's writing a book. She's got her own podcast. She's just amazing. And I am so grateful to know her. I love it. Okay. So everyone stay tuned for the conversation with Barbara Bray and Tracy Browder. I'm really excited. I've been wanting this beautiful person on my podcast for so long. Tracy. And it's finally Tracy. happening. Tracy. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I just am so excited to have you here. This has just been, we've been talking about this for a long time. A long time. A really long time. I'm so glad it's happening. (laughs) I know. I feel like we're here together right now, drinking our coffee. I can't (laughs) wait for that to happen, too. (laughs) It's It's, going to be so awesome. I know. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. We have to. I told you, you can come here. Come here. I'll go there. (laughs) So I'm going to introduce you to my audience, Tracy Browder is a trailblazer in education, inspiring and mentoring teachers and changing the lives of children for more than 17 years. 17 years? Yeah. Really? Oh my, you know, I know it's like you, this last few years, I can't wait till they hear what you're doing. Tracy, you're amazing. Okay. So I got to keep going. Tracy is known best for her innovative, out-of-the-box teaching style with a mixture of Montessori, gifted, talented, and special services all rolled into one classroom environment. 
I know. I, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, you got to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see it. I mean, it's it's like her kindergarten classroom is a live learning lab in which teachers in her school district have come to observe her unique style of teaching, as well as teachers on her campus and the world. <laughs> oh, Tracy, thank you so much. I'm so, so excited you're here. I'm I'm honored to be here, Barbara. You know, I love you and I am just so happy to spend time with you and your audience. So thank you for having me. Oh, this is just quite Well, I've been having fun because we're pulling together ideas and what to say, but I think let's just first start with your background. Okay. I think everyone kind of that's how I always do it, but I always I like what you shared and let's just share that. Well, so I wasn't always a kindergarten teacher. Um, you know, there sometimes your mom just sees it in you and says, you should be, you're going to be a kindergarten teacher. No, she didn't say kindergarten. She said, you're going to be a teacher. And when she said that, you know, it's like driving a car going straight. I went, eh, I'm going this way. You know, I don't know why we do that as kids. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when we get to this age, we realize our parents really do know what they're talking about. Why can't we just realize that when we're young? You know how different life would be? Oh, my goodness. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) that's funny. Yeah, but true. So, um, yeah. And and so my background is really um, some corporate America, um, a lot of time spent in education and truly building relationships and creating legacies. Um, being part of families' lives, like not just the year they spend in my classroom, like we literally do life together. That's who, that's at the core for me. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's so, so true. Where did you, I know you live in Texas. Did you grow up always in Texas? And So, yes, special story about that. So I was born and spent most of my life until I went to college in Oak Cliff. Um, that's a, it's a small, but beautiful pocket community in Dallas. And, um, it, you know, years ago it was thriving and lively and, you know, doctors like very prominent. And then just through the years, it kind of changed. And now there's this part of Oak Cliff and there's this part of Oak Cliff, but that that's where I grew up. And it's, there's a lot of revitalization going on right now and beautiful arts district and things like that, but it's, it's very small. It's in pockets, but the community itself is quite impoverished. Um, I consider it to be a food desert. There was once a few years back, a Walmart finally moved into the community and stayed probably a couple of years, maybe, maybe five tops and then closed. So we don't even have, a Walmart. We don't have a Kroger. We don't have, um, we do have a Walgreens, a CVS, but on every corner is like fried chicken, catfish, no healthy. So, so those, that's, that's my community. And um, yeah. See, I live in Oakland, California, and I noticed the change here too, Mm because I worked in the schools and then if you look at some areas, the pockets, there's the same thing, food desert. And the prices of the small grocery stores are so high. And even the gas is so expensive. Uh-huh. It's, it's, is that what it's like there? Yeah. And well, it's, it's so it's, it's mass public transportation. Um, and that in itself in a pandemic has 
also created lots of challenges because, you know, the the access to resources is so minute. Um, Mm. It's job opportunity is minute. So the people who are going to work are forced to mostly be on public transportation, um, which Mm. is where the virus was being heavily contracted, especially early on. And, you know, I talked about food desert. Well, I can say the same is true really for good quality medical care um, is Mm. not, it's not easily accessible um, in the community I grew up in. So those are the challenges. And, you know, these are the kids in that community. And, And I think that's why education is so important to me. And I think that's why my mom saw from the very beginning how I continue to, even as a young child in high, in, in elementary school, I was actually tutoring kids in high school. And so she always saw, I, I just, I'm able to get things and see things really clearly. Even mm-hmm. if I've never been taught it, I can just look at it and study it and understand it. And so that's why she always said I should be a teacher. So I feel like for me, my background, it's a combination of all of this lack of access to resources and opportunities and, and success and pathways to grow um, with my passion for education combined has led me to be who I am now and, and why I am who I am. Well, it sounds like your mom was amazing fighting for you. And you mentioned to me something about a teacher that kind of wanted to hold you back and you, mm-hmm. Your mom said, no way, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and there, there's a piece of that, too. I, you hear me talk about my mom. My dad passed away when I was nine from lung cancer. And, oh, um, yeah, but sad. the nine years that I had with him were amazing. I just feel like like the Lord knew I would only have him in my life for nine years. And he, uh, you should see the goosebumps. Just the memories I have mm. are so powerful and fresh. I remember his voice. I remember his smell. My nickname was Trey Trey. I mean, I remember all of that. So family for mm. us, like he laid that foundation to have a rich legacy of family. So my mom, she did everything she possibly could to continue to be the rock And I was the baby of the family, but in my little bitty nine-year-old mind, I did my best to support her and um, encourage her and let her know that we were okay. Her three children were okay. Um, And she was very active in PTA. Like everybody knew her. It wasn't Mrs. Jackson. It was, hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Everybody. (laughs) So um, yeah, there, there was a, you talked about my second grade teacher who you heard me say some things already about how I learn differently. And that teacher really didn't get to know me. And all she saw was the how I learned and did things and executed, but didn't really focus on the why and what was flourishing as a result. So, um, yeah, she wanted to retain me. And my mom said, you, the, the child who was reading newspapers in her daddy's lap at three years old, as soon as she could almost talk, she was like reading words and those words became sentences and she started understanding and putting things together. And that's the child you want to retain, not on my watch. That's my mom. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What an amazing lady. I, and, and what you said about your dad is so beautiful because that's really tough for a nine-year-old. And, um, but it just shows that 
those memories, mm-hmm. you know, carried with them, you know, those with you mm-hmm. forever, and, and which is beautiful. You're, you're so right, Barbara. And, you know, you and I talk about the power of memories and I know we're going to get to that, but that that's those threads in my life that carry over into my heart as an educator. And there's one thing that, that will sum all of this up. His legacy is so powerful in my nine little years of my life, witnessing their marriage and friendship. Um, that's what inspired me to have my wedding date on their wedding date. So, oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask you about your family and I yep. didn't. That's so beautiful. Power of a legacy. The power of a legacy. What we do in the time we have with the people that we are around can change a life, can change lives forever if you if you use the time you have with purpose and intentionality. And that's what my dad did. Oh, the power of a legacy with purpose. Mm-hmm. My goodness, I'm looking at that as a quote. it's amazing so you got married and that's why you're Tracy Browder yes tell us a little bit about your family your life well you saw an even bigger smile come across my face (laughs) (laughs) my family is amazing I mean we are so almost old-fashioned if you will in terms of you know life is busy around us but we are very slow meaning we capture moments. We spend time together. Um, my husband, when my boys were in high school, he would take lunch to them and their friends like regular once a week. They knew that he was coming with pizza for the guys. Um, yeah, I, I don't. My school is not too far from the high school that they've gone to. And so I would run over pizza sometimes and we spend time together as a family. We we do the weekends together. We do absolutely nothing together, and nothing turns out to be so much. Fun. <laughs> just, you're just in the room together. Just in the room together, just uh, laughing and yeah. So family is everything to me. My husband is amazing. He's my best friend, and he's a provider. He he truly wants to know what we want out of life, and he does everything he can which means a lot of sacrifice to make our dreams come, come true. He's been the rock of everything I've been doing with, with glee and hope and cheer in his heart. And my two sons have big dreams and goals, and he supports those. My two boys are amazing. I have a 20-year-old and a 15-year-old. And the 20-year-old is, he he's so much like me. Um, my, my husband and his best friend started coaching a youth football team at church years ago. And my oldest son started kind of being assistant coach at Mm. seventh grade and just kind of continued that. So he started mentoring these kids that were younger than him. And now he's a college athlete on full academic and athletic scholarship. So thank the Lord. Um, But he has gone back and mentored these boys. He trains them, conditions them. He talks about what it's like to be a college athlete with them. He's working on his personal training certification. So he's very driven and he's a motivator to me. He was the one actually about three years ago looked at me and said, Mom, why haven't you written your book? Why don't you have your doctorate? Why aren't you going after your dreams? And that ignited the fire in me. And everything that he said to me, 
I made it my purpose to make sure that he saw that I'm making my dreams come true. When your child sees you have dreams and you're not doing anything with them, what am I teaching him? So Mm, that was a huge catalyst for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the relationships you have. And what sport is he in? He is, he plays football. Um, Football? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That scares me. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I don't want to get them to get hurt. You know, what is he? What position? He's a linebacker. He's a linebacker. So he's he's big. Yeah. Oh, wow. And and wow. I the, the sport scares me too, but I know he's passionate about it. So I mm-hmm. have just I pray for him and then I do everything yeah. I can to support him. Um wow. yeah. And then the youngest one is amazing. He's a lot like me too. He's an exceptionally gifted learner, and he's come in contact with educators through the years who um did not fertilize him and in fact were very punitive in his academic growth that was very damaging, Um, but he is resilient. And so when I saw the obstacles that he was having, um, I chose to, as parents, we can own our students' learning too. It's not just up to the institution of education. So um, long story short, I said to him, babe, you're too smart. So we've got to do something with this. You're not going to spend the summer on video games. So what are your passions? And that kind of, he kind of talked about being a kid reporter. So he started recording like these events in the community. And then that led to um, adopting a family at Christmas. He calls it the Christmas buddy program. And yeah, that's, that's been beautiful. I saw you mentioned that. And Mm -hmm. so uh, is there anything online about it? There is, and I'll share that with you. Um, he's had okay. media coverage. He he works with a, an organization that I can't say the name, but he works with mm-hmm. a crisis organization that shares with him um, different scenarios of families in need. And then Donovan mm. chooses the family he wants to adopt for Christmas. And he rallies the entire community all on social media He's helped a family who lost everything in Hurricane Harvey. And oh, wow. um, mm-hmm. and I said, Donovan, what's your wildest dream for this family? And he said that they get a car. And I'm like, dude, nobody's going to give them a car. This is this is the conversation I'm talking about. You know, and that was such a lesson for me is we can't stifle people's dreams. And I almost did that. Um, wow. He said. I want them to have a car. I said, well, babe, why don't we, you know, when you put this out on social media, why don't you like maybe a weekend getaway at a nice hotel to just take them away from their stress? And talking to him is like talking to a CEO when he really gets in his zone because his response, (laughs) he was not being rude. He was being business driven. He said, mom, duh, okay, they go to a hotel, but all they're going to be doing is worried about how am I going to get back from the hotel? How am I going to find a job? I still don't have a car. So even if they escape, they haven't really escaped because they're coming back to the same problem. That was like at the time I think he was 11 years old that's who this no, kid is 11 when he did I can't so, wait to follow his journey yes oh so my the, the, god the, both of them both of your sons their they, journeys they are, are amazing. amazing so when the media picked that story up um an anonymous donor donated a car another donor donated a full year of insurance um he has a there's a local slim chickens that sponsors the drop-off night for everybody to bring their brand new gifts he helped his high school coach who 
I don't like to say lost the battle with cancer because I believe he won the battle, even if he's still not with us. Um, He adopted their family, set up a college scholarship fund for each of the children. So that's the kids. My my. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I know about you. I didn't know all of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, but but, we have to get this out. This is. (laughs) But Barbara, my point is here. If we give children the space to follow their dreams, to to even just think about what's on their hearts. If we, if we did the same thing in schools and, and the same thing I'm doing with my children, this is what I do with other people's children. Like I, I am not just teaching, I'm not just teaching kids. I am changing lives. That's our responsibility is to impact uh, and change lives. And kids are with us about 187 days out of a school year for most mm-hmm. of the day. They don't see their parents until it's pretty much time for bath, sports, homework, bed. Like that's not socialization. That's not yeah. time. That's these these chores. That's this rote process for about four hours in the evening. That's it. We have them the whole portion of the day to nurture, to, to fertilize, to let them express their thoughts, to learn about who they are, for them to learn about themselves. If we don't give them that time, if we're just teaching, 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 what are we cultivating? What's what's the generation that we're, what are we doing? And we have to think about that. Well, I've, that's one reason why I went into teaching, especially because I was working in the community I mentioned. And I said, these are brilliant people. <laughs> and they were being labeled and they we need to stop that. And uh-huh. I was going to ask you why you went into teaching. I don't know. I don't have to ask you that. I can hear it. And the story is just, Amazing because you, I know you told me this, you believe in children and you believe in parents and you believe in teachers that we know we can do this. So you're that role model for me because I'm not in the classroom anymore. And so just hearing this, it just, you made me want to cry because this is it. This is the whole idea, especially now through this crisis. We, Mm -hmm. parents became teachers. Teachers, teachers were struggling to the point where they many quit or were burned out or we didn't know what to do. And we all of this is such a crazy time. Okay, I'm veering off of what I was going to ask, but let's let's talk about this idea of how do we do this now since we're going to go back, kind of back to what you know to teaching. So, oh my gosh, a few things about that, Barbara. Okay. Whenever I talk about the pandemic, the first thing I always say is I have to give so much respect and and love to people I don't even know who have lost loved ones due to COVID-19. You know, for, for many of us, this is a phase as long as we stay unaffected by a positive case. But for other people, the pandemic will forever be with them because they've lost a loved one. Um, the medical professionals, law enforcement who still have to be out there interacting with the public. Um, just, I always like to acknowledge them and educators. We've lost so many educators being on the front lines, especially in the beginning, serving meals so that people wouldn't go without all of those. So we, we have to stop and think about all of those things. So I always like to give honor and respect to that. 
And yeah, it gets me a little emotional. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sitting here trying not to cry. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mm, I like going to cry. (laughs) (laughs) But when we, when we think about pandemic learning, pandemic teaching and learning, I knew, I don't know how I knew going into it that how we do pandemic learning, how we do pandemic teaching, the network of support we create can either carry us through the pandemic or the pandemic can break us. And so I tried to do everything I could to look through a lens of optimism, resilience, and perseverance. And I tried to, everything I could, I tried to be a resource and support for educators, for parents, for children. And as a result, I'm blessed to say that I truly excelled in the virtual teaching and learning environment. Um, And and you know that from our experience together, but Mm -hmm. um, parents were and are, they were resilient before the pandemic. They have been resilient during the pandemic and they will be resilient after the pandemic. And one thing I hope people have learned, I always truly partner with parents. That's why I call it power relationships, not powerful relationships. Powerful relationships are just, they're okay. They're, you know, we, we pour into these relationships, but when you have a power relationship, that means you are investing, you have a purpose, it's results driven. So these power relationships that I build with these parents, parents are my co-partner in children's education. Kids don't belong to me. I, I, I can't just teach kids. I have to know their story. And when we give parents the space to brag on their children, to talk about the struggles with their children, I can partner with them. I can share resources. So when we, when we give parents the space to feel like they matter, um, you know, parents in my class became co-facilitators of the learning. After a teaching mm-hmm. segment, they would stay on with me. Okay, how do I do this? How do I do this? Um, parents facilitated breakout rooms for me. When we jumped to our project that we did together, um, parents managed the breakout rooms for students to design the content for the website. I know I just jumped ahead a little bit, but oh, we, have okay. to give, <laughs> we, we have to give parents that space to partner with us in the yeah. journey of teaching and growing their children. And so that's part of the reason why relationships with parents and students for me become eternal um, because they know I truly care about the success of each child, not just my classroom each child. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. So I know teachers want this. They want to do this. They're just not sure how. And you're in a kindergarten classroom. I know as a parent, when my kids were in kindergarten, I was very actively involved but I was also a teacher, but I was actively involved. What I'm wondering is any advice for, let's say, upper pri- you know, upper elementary and secondary, we lose the parents. They don't stay involved 
because we want the kids to be more independent. We think that they can handle it, but they don't talk about it. Did you have people from outside, you know, other grade levels come and watch or? Yes, Barbara. And you, you just nailed something like it's, you know, a lot of educators sometimes say, you know, the parents, they're not really as involved when the kids get older, but we're, we're as educators, we're also not giving them the opportunities. And I think just good natured teachers see this as like a mountain of work. Like I have to carve out time to make this happen. And honestly, that's not the case. If you weave this into your daily routine, if you, for instance, whatever social media platforms your, your, your district allows for me, we we've had classroom Twitter accounts where um, I can post and share pre-COVID. I can post and share what kids are doing and learning. Um, I've created, and I'm saying this to help other educators, take your class to work day where I connect with parents and there's a calendar that they fill out and they can take us to work. So they, they spend, <laughs> we, we connect and, and they share with us what their job is like. We talk about what we're learning. And so they read us their favorite story. And it, it's been the coolest thing. And one year, um, a, a mom said, you have no idea what this meant to us because the dad was stationed in Afghanistan, but he felt like he was part of the entire school year because of that constant connection on Twitter, the opportunities to allow parents to come into the classroom through these virtual connection communication modes that we have. So post-pandemic, and not really post because we're still in the midst, but I feel like the, we go through these phases of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So when we come back to school, many of us will be in person. Um, so it's still up to us. We have to remember that kids have come in. Some kids have been virtual all year long. Um, we, we have to think about their mental health because here in my community, we had some older kids um, commit suicide. And so we have to nurture, we have to have fun, we have to create spaces where we're talking to each other. So we can't, we cannot be, and I know this is contradictory to to what a lot of people think, but we cannot be so heavily focused on closing gaps. And I don't like that phrase because it's deficit thinking. Um, we can't be so focused. We can be focused on achievement and growth and success. But when we focus on gaps, we're saying kids miss the mark, teachers miss the mark, parents miss the mark. The very phrase alone makes you kind of slump a little bit. So let's celebrate the success. How do we celebrate the success? We fertilize the mental health. We check in. We see how we're doing. Even in high school, have that fun music playing. What, they like TikTok. Let them learn through using, um, create tick, TikTok type learning videos. They're studying, let's say Romeo and Juliet, um, something literary, for instance. Can they not do like what was the foreshadowing part of this story or play? And then they mm-hmm. work that out and 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 do it through TikTok. So there's all these ways where. What do kids like? How do kids, what do kids enjoy? 
and then Mm -hmm. put that in the classroom environment. So we have to take their personal life and then bring it into the classroom because we cannot teach the way we taught in the 80s. We cannot teach the way we taught in the 90s. We cannot teach the way we taught in the early 2000s. We can't teach the way we taught last year. So we have to constantly evolve. We have to know what kids like. We have to bring in their music. It can eat like these brain breaks can be instrumental even if the the lyrics are not appropriate get the instrumental listen what song is this the first you know and and just have fun so that they see that you are in their space you're in their world you want to connect with them then what happens naturally is you're you're, you're culturally responsibly teaching by not even trying well not by not trying but by truly connecting with kids and learning what they enjoy boom that is culturally responsive teaching and when you're trying to meet the needs of each child, when you're connecting with each family, you are making the difference. You are that culturally responsive teacher. You are the change. You are creating that legacy. It's really that easy. I'm sorry. I'm speechless. (laughs) That was remarkable. What you just did. I mean, what you just said, I was thinking, how can I just grab you alone and put that up as a video, as a keynote? That was just unbelievable. Teachers don't know. And you, in that short little bit, you gave so many good tidbits that teachers can use. The idea that we can look at, you know, I I actually wrote some books on that. That idea of passions and interests and kids have, they've given up. We can't lose another kid. We can't. We just can't. They just, that idea that they're not being listened to or have a voice in their own learning. We can't do that anymore. We have to change that idea that it's going to be different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you and I committed to make that happen along with Stephanie Rothstein. Like we, there's so many people like us being those difference makers, but the difference is we have to talk about it. We have to share it. We have to, we have yeah. to inspire other people. And the people who don't necessarily do these types of innovative things, those of us who are innovative, we also have to pause and learn what are these other educators' gifts and strengths that we can learn from. See, we can't mm-hmm. just always you know, I, I do feel like I'm blessed. I know I have a true gift for teaching. I know that. And I, I, I used to kind of be like, no, 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 when everybody would say that. But now I've embraced and I own it and I, I'm committed to sharing it. So mm-hmm. I had to go through that process. But other people too, we have to we have to tap into their gifts. And that's how we make the world a better place because all of us have different strengths and gifts. And together, we are this truly powerful entity. So we have to take time to learn about each other. Just like I said, we have to learn about our children. We also mm-hmm. have to learn about each other as a faculty, as a staff, as a global community of learners, as educators. We, we have to take the time to learn about each other and maybe leverage each other's strengths. Maybe it's a partnership. Imagine a year-long partnership with someone who feels like, the pandemic and all this technology made them a little nervous. What if we had this mentorship system globally, mm-hmm. not just within your own district, but but what if we had this system where I could partner with someone in 
Tokyo and and learn and we grow and we share. And in that process, we're, we're testing things out as teachers, as kids, we're bringing in administrators where what if we had that as the institution of education? How powerful would the learning be for children? What if our children knew that we are trying to learn by connecting globally with other educators? If if they see that we're learning, if they see that we're not ashamed Mm -hmm. to say, I don't know, or I want to be better, Mm-hmm. That's the legacy. That's what we want to create for kids. We want them to see us trying to grow and learn and be better. We want them. To, it, it's okay to say I don't know, but I'm going to learn, or I'm going to be better at this, or oh, I goof, but you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to do better. So it's that humility piece, um, mm-hmm. and that that's that's what we need. Well, it's showing your vulnerability, and when kids can see that you're being authentic and Mm -hmm. real, and that you're okay about saying, whoops, and um, I I think I can learn from you kind of thing. Absolutely. It's almost like you've completely shifted what it means for teaching and learning. And that's what you did with Stephanie. And can I just, can we just do a little talk about that? Because that was so cool. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I was doing a dance party. That's, kind of what started all this <laughs> and um on zoom and we uh did i did breakout rooms and tracy and stephanie were in a room together i had no idea that i started something right yes you did <laughs> <laughs> and, and barbara what you failed to say this is the part that in the spirit of fun like you are such a fun person that loves people and loves connecting people this particular dance party wasn't just your average dance party. You know, it was New Year's Eve. It was this big celebration. And in a pandemic for educators and even kids and just adults, period, like we need those nuggets of joy to look forward to. And so when that came across my feed and when you sent the DM, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm there. I'm so there. (laughs) And, And so in the breakout room, like we were talking and everybody was laughing and connecting and sharing about each other and what our passions were. And I think Stephanie said um, she loves project-based inquiry-based learning first. And I, I literally jumped in, didn't even let her finish. I was like, wait, what you do? I love it. And so we just went like, and all of a sudden time was, we're like, no, 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 it's almost time. It's almost time. So we committed to getting together and talking after the dance party and the dance party was amazing. <laughs> <I> <laughs> it, was tell, fun. it was fun. And I can't tell Stephanie's story, but I will tell this little part that she tried something that was outside of her comfort zone and fell in love. And mm-hmm. all of us took the risk um, and, and just being there together with people we don't know and dancing on a screen. That was so much fun. But um, (laughs) the beautiful result of that was we did spend some time talking about our passions. And uh, Stephanie is very passionate about design thinking. And I am really passionate about creating an environment where I see all of my students as gifted learners. They're not tested. They're not identified. But every student in my classroom is a gifted learner. I believe that and I treat them as such. So when we were talking, we realized that we could do something very special together. And we 
knew immediately that we had to bring you in that conversation as the <laughs> connector and conduit. And I remember initially you were like, no, no, no. We're like, yes, yes, yes. This is going to happen. You're going to be a part, a central part of this. And the beautiful thing about that, Barbara, was um, we were kind of just brainstorming and didn't really know which way we wanted to go because Stephanie is a high school teacher. I am a kindergarten teacher and yeah. we're in different parts of the country which was exciting. And when we finally kind of just started really talking about how this was going to work, then enters the historic Texas winter storm. And um, Stephanie was already working with her class on their individual um, inquiry-based learning projects and their universal design thinking and, and really owning their learning about their passions. We had been having conversations in kindergarten, but got disrupted by the historic winter storm. Um, and in my classroom, there were several, uh, everybody was affected. Um, everybody lost power for an extended period of time. Kids were talking about when we came back and I gave them time to share. Uh, kids were saying how the bananas on the counter froze and how, um, their house lost power, water, everything. And then they had to travel to another house and then that house lost power. Then they had to travel to another house. And so these are little people being impacted. And there's one classmate who the house flooded, lost power, everything. And this baby was on logging on every day. They were still in their house, bundled up from head to toe. And remember, a lot of people didn't have the luxury of just going to a hotel because COVID-19 was still alive and thriving and putting people in harm's way. So they chose to hunker, just stay in their house. And so the kids are seeing this and, and we were like, okay, I said, guys, for us, even though this is tragic, it's temporary. Like we'll have people come in and do the repairs and then our houses will be back to normal. There are people in other countries who this is their every day. They don't have access to, we lost water and had to, some people had to drive to bottle drinking water stations but people in other countries don't have access to sanitary water ever. And the kids were like, like there was silence. There wasn't even like, what? There was silence. Like they could not comprehend or process that. So when Stephanie, you and I came back together, I was sharing that. And you said, do you know about the sustainable development goals? There's one on clean water. And you went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you I looked really at all did. the goals and same with Stephanie with her group. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful. And mm -hmm. and that that one that one moment of collaboration and you sharing that powerful idea led my students on a journey of learning about the water crisis in other countries and how they can make a difference in other countries and raise awareness within their own space to be better consumers of water. Um, that led to me learning about the global 6K that World Vision does, and I shared that with my families. And um, because it involves raising money for the organization to help countries, we didn't want to get into the financial aspect. So the company, the organization suggested that we do a mock global 6K. And that's what we did. And um, they did video announcements every day to educate our campus. Um, the a local newspaper picked it up. The kids did, they went on this campaign, this awareness campaign to be better consumers of water. To this day now, because of that, 
I don't just leave water running. Like if I'm cooking and I need to get this, the water is like off immediately. But the beautiful thing about all of that, we, Stephanie's group in my class and you, we all came together and my class got to listen and learn about what Stephanie's class had been working on all year long. And that one moment on Zoom was not the first time the kids had gotten together. We decided that we would connect on Flipgrid. So for months leading up to that, we were introducing each other. We were introducing our projects and our passions and the kids were connecting and responding and interacting with each other. So when we got together, it was almost like this reunion in a sense. So you have a high school Mm. AP honors class working with a kindergarten class, both classes inquiry, design, sustainable development goal driven. In my kindergarten class, the beautiful thing about our time together on Zoom was they were listening to Stephanie's class and and all of these passion projects that they did that often culminated in the kids developing um, websites and so many other powerful resources. When we got off the call, my kid said, Mrs. Browder, why can't we create a website? And I'm like, you can, let's do it. So I didn't just create it. I taught my kids about coding. The parents were there. I taught them how to set up a website from the beginning. We talked about um, the importance of a domain name and why a domain name is important. We talked about hashtags. Like I taught them all of these little layers and, and how, you know, go ahead, Barbara. Kindergartners. I'm just saying. Kindergartners, <laughs> I, yep. I, can I just say one thing? Because I'm going to have to have you come back. <laughs> but but I, we're going to have to share the videos. And we're yes. going to have to show the picture of the, the Zoom. The kids, I mean, they're so articulate. I, I was... I, and I showed it to my husband and he's going, these are kindergartners? I said, yes, <laughs> because they're passionate. Well, and Barbara, because I believe they can. Yeah. That's the thing. Like we have to give mm-hmm. kids the space. That's what I said in the beginning of our conversation. And this, this is what that looks like when you give kids the space to oh be creative, to, to let their learning come from within and simply be the guide and facilitator it, it, it was powerful, and and they created all of the content on the website. Through. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Parents facilitated the breakout rooms. Like that, you talk about a community of learning. It, it was so beautiful. So um, great things can happen when we when we don't control the classroom. Educators are unintentionally guilty of having to have control. We have to think about safety. We have to manage time. We have to make sure we're getting all of this, the requirements of our curriculum. So we're naturally in control of things, but we don't have to own it. Like we can share that space. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's where, that's a point that we have to get to is, you know, what happens if we take what's happening in the real world and, and weave it into learning? Like, 
I, there was coding, there was strategic thinking, there was math because we were talking about the time it takes to do a global 6K. There was planning with dates and um, looking at the weather. There were all of these decisions that had to be made. You can bring in all and hit all of the content that you have to teach. You can find books that support just connecting to the real world. Like anyway, I know we're, we're short on time, but oh, I'm stop. Would, you know, I would talk for all day about this. This is like, so I'm going to, I just want my audience to know that this is only the first <laughs> podcast with Tracy. Um, the other is we're putting uh, together a website, you know, like the blog post that goes with this. And there, we were going to talk about all these other things like your <laughs> podcast, the chat, the book. Okay. Let's just talk about this book. It's coming out really soon. This I got to put that in. Okay. So the book, um, I am working on my first book with DBC, Dave Burgess Publishing. So excited about that. And it started out as the happiness of teaching. Um, and as I wrote and turned in the manuscript, they actually saw, and I had to process what they said, and they are so right, that everything, there, there's this one constant fiber throughout the book, and that is an equitable learning environment. And so now I'm reworking the book to focus on wow. creating equitable schools and classrooms and organizations. But that's one part of the book. The first part of the book is intimate stories of my life, my son's life, my husband's life to help to help people understand because if you're not in the skin, you you it's difficult to understand the daily challenges. So the the book is meant to almost like having a conversation at Starbucks, really intimate conversation. And, and my hope in the front half is to open hearts and minds and, and allow you to be very vulnerable and transparent with me. Because as I share these stories, I'm asking you, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about this? How can you be the difference? Or did you, could you see this happening before you read this? So really those questions to challenge your thinking and set you on this path of excitement to be part of change. And so the back half of the book talks about leading by learning and creating those equitable spaces and classrooms. So it is going to be an absolutely phenomenal, game-changing, from-the-heart book. Um, don't have a date yet, but it will be coming out very soon. You know, because I talked to you before you, when you were just starting, and it has changed. And I, I, changed. I'm really excited because um, we're going to talk another time. I'm going to bring you in for a reflection to talk about the other thing that we were going to talk about, which mm-hmm. is some of the... Um, equitable and inequitable things that have been happening uh, during this pandemic and actually because of uncertain times. But unfortunately, my time is... <laughs> I it went so fast. <laughs> oh, I just, this has been amazing. So I'm going to end with your why. You tell me, I don't even have to say it because you've read it all already out there, but your why of that passion that and and encouraging every learner, it's not just kids, it's parents, it's teachers, every learner to own and drive their learning 
it's just Tracy, you just hit this is a this is one of these um, podcasts. Someone's going to go, I have to listen to this again and again because what Tracy said is so powerful. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Well, I, I, that, that's my hope. And that's my why right there is to be the change, to, to mm-hmm. grow on journeys with people um, so that I can continue to grow and learn. I don't have all the answers. I am a thirsty learner. And I just want to make the world a better place. And and so that that's simply my why is so kids know they matter, that they can do the impossible, that they can be set up for success no matter what the environment, no matter where, no matter the resources. Um, they just need people in their paths who believe in them. That's my why. Ah, I don't want to go. This is so beautiful. <laughs> Tracy, I just adore you and I'm so honored to know you. This is going to be a lovely journey with the book and all the things that you do. So I want people to find you. Can you tell them how they can reach you? It, you know, because if they only listen to the podcast, I want them to be able to get a hold of you. Absolutely. Um easiest way is on Twitter. Um I am at Tracy Browder. Um, on Twitter, uh, also Intelligogy has a handle on Twitter. Uh, Grit Crew Edu has a handle on Twitter. We didn't really talk about that, but um, you'll find me there. And then my website is tracybrowder.com. And I'm also available through Dave Burgess Consulting as a speaker. Oh my goodness! So we're going to make this um, post that goes with this with all the links because her podcast is Intelligogy. 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 I can mm-hmm. pronounce that right. But you know what, Barbara? Uh, Listen, it's intellig- It's intelligence, heightened intelligence through the art of pedagogy. Boom. See? Intelligogy. <laughs> got it. I got it. And, and also, the chat that you're on is at uh, 9 o'clock Central Time, Saturday yes. mornings. Is that Lead right? Lab. Mm-hmm. Lead Lab. And so we're going to put a lot of links in. So make sure that you go to barbabray.net. I hope we can get it up there soon so people can... Follow you, find you, and go to tracybrowder.com if you can't, because I want to make sure they follow your journey. Thank you. This has been beautiful. Thank you, Barbara. It's always a pleasure connecting with you. I'm excited to connect with your audience. So thank you for having me. Oh, this has been one of those big hugs. Hugs, dear. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning Podcast and my conversation with Tracy Browder about her journey as a trailblazer in education, inspiring and mentoring teachers and changing the lives of children. Make sure you check out the blog post that we created together. We put in links and resources and along with the collaborative project she did, you have to check out. And that is on my website, barbabray.net. Did you know that this is podcast episode 121? Each podcast and story like this one is different, unique, and an adventure. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Tracy and please listen to more. I welcome you to subscribe to my Rethinking Learning podcast. It would be an honor if you wrote a review. Also, I hope you subscribe to my website at barbabray.net so you receive updates and more resources. Keep sharing your story and please stay safe 
and be well.